Hey everybody, welcome to a new video. This is going to be a little bit of a different one. At least I don't think I've hit this topic in a while. And basically it's going to be talking about how you, how do you define your success or victory through the nightmare that we find ourselves going through. And I'm going to hit a few points on this. And this is something that I've been thinking about lately. I mean, I'm kind of coming up towards the end of this. My last kid finished high school, graduated high school, uh, basically turning 18 at the end of the summer. We just had our epic summer vacation, which I will talk to you about here shortly. And then uh, kind of go through how that goes, to, you know, how I define victory and the parts of it that I look at that uh, yeah, might not be so victorious. And basically a little bit about my perspective on how I look at this. And let's see here. I am going to try to get my screens all set up around here. So basically, how do I define victory or success? And the first thing on this is it's all about perspective. I know you probably, if you're, if you're new to this channel, maybe this is something new, but if you've been watching my channel for the years that I've been doing this, you'll probably recognize a theme where I talk about perspective and how your perspective shifts through this. And it really determines how you look at it. And what I mean by that is early in this whole process, whenever I was going through it, my perspective was that my life sucked, that everything was horrible, everything I'd ever worked for and everything I ever wanted was ruined. And <laughs> I mean, that was pretty much real, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, what I thought way back when, 12 years ago, 11 years ago, when this whole thing started, my whole vision of life blew apart in an instant, probably a lot like what you're dealing with yourself, where you had a vision of how your life was going to go, what it meant, what your family was, what your kids, your relationship with your kids, the relationship with your spouse and all that thing, all that thing, all that stuff. And then in an instant, it is completely changed. It's like blown apart at the seams and you're trying to figure out what is the correct perspective of your life. Now, the nuances on this with kids gets complicated because you have a tendency to constantly gravitate back towards, well, how it should have been or how it was before or, you know, we didn't have these problems before. So this is because of the toxic ex that's doing something, the narcissistic ex that's, that's alienating. And there's truth to that. Don't, don't get me wrong on that. But it really, it really clouds your vision on what you're looking at. And it can really make it difficult to see any victories that you might be having or that you don't think you're having. Now, early on in my early videos, I used to talk about micro micro uh, victories where it's just it's so minuscule you don't even in the in the in the moment with all the pain and everything that you're feeling the last thing that you see is any victory in there right it's like if your kids and I'm going to get into this more as we go through this but if you know the kids are doing something positive with you but it's not enough right things haven't changed enough you're still in, in the grand scheme of things, you're looking at 100%. And yeah, okay, 0.5%, you know, half of 1% ha 
has improved, but a hundred, you know, ninety nine point five percent of it is garbage, and you can't see the little victories. It's incredibly important to recognize all the improvements that happen throughout this, all the improvements that happen with you and that happen with the relationship with your kids. And and even if your relationship with your kids is irrevocably damaged, you can still have improvements with you. Now, the first big key point on this is how are the kids when they're with you? Well, let me put this up on the screen. How are the kids when they're with you? Doesn't mean that they're not talking to the other parent. Doesn't mean that, uh, you know, they're not trying to tell you about uh, the great times that they had with, with the other parent. It's how are they with you? Are they engaged with you? Even though they might be over there going clicky click, clacky clack on their little devices, texting the other parent, and you'll, that's one of those frustrations that's going to drive you crazy that it's like, can you give me a break? I only get a little amount of time with, with my child. Why does it feel like the ex is sitting right with you? And it's even worse. I know this from experience. It's even worse if you are doing something that either you have done with the ex before or you're visiting a stomping ground that the ex has gone to talking mainly about vacations because inevitably my experience has been if I happen to go someplace that they have been to before, then your child is going to be saying, oh, let's go here. Let's go to the, like, for instance, like if you're, you know, on the beach, it's like, let's go to this shell shop. Let's eat at this restaurant. Let's go here. And it feels like, it's like, oh my God, seriously, I'm trying to have a special moment with me and my child, me and my child, not me, the ex and the child. And one, try not to go to those same locations because that will help make sure that those memories are, you know, just, just with you guys, with you. But if that's not the case, just bite your tongue and the next little bullet item on here, let me pull it back up on the screen, is are they engaged with you? Are they, even though they, well, I'm going I'm to say this, are they present with you? And you're going to say, well, no, they're not because they're on, you know, they're texting the other parent. There's a difference, right? If the child is ignoring you, terse with you, barely, you know, give, rolls the eyes at you on everything while they're texting the other parent, okay. That's a problem. However, if they are engaged with you and they're having fun and they're enjoying it and there's a bonding moment happening, that is a success. That is a victory. Keep that in mind. I mean, I just went on this trip, you know, it was a 10 day epic trip that went from basically Southern California all the way to Portland, Portland to Mount Hood National Forest area into Washington. We went to Mount Rainier. I don't know if you can see this. Mount went to Mount Rainier, North Cascades National Park, Olympic National Park, down back into Oregon. I can't even remember what we did in Oregon because it was like a whirlwind. Redwoods, down Southern California, or down Northern California coast, across over through to, through Lake Tahoe area. And down 395, where we cut our time short because it was flipping hot. Just as a side note, if you're at 8,000 feet in Mammoth Mountain, 
and there's snow on the ground and it's 85 degrees out or 89 degrees, that's not a good time. <laughs> it was still a good time, but you know what I'm saying. So we decided that last night not to camp out because it was just too much. Okay, so here's the other thing that we need to talk about. What happens when they don't choose you? I've talked, I've had this happen with myself, and I've talked to multiple people, primarily fathers. I'm sure this happens to moms too, who find themselves in this situation where the kids always pick, in my, you know, like in my situation, always pick mommy, and I'm always the second runner up or the catastrophe solution. In other words, if they're supposed to do something or they want to do something with their mom and their mom bails on them, which will probably happen. And then it's like, daddy, can you help me with this? And it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's frustrating, but you have to go back, going back to the top bullet. It's about perspective, right? You got to remember that these kids want to have a relationship with both parents. They don't want to believe the truth of the toxic parents of, of that reality. So every opportunity they can give that parent to prove them wrong or prove that idea wrong, they're going to do it. And you also have to remember, I think this is true for most people, most of us go, who have gone through this, that there was a point in time when we also were making excuses or tricking ourselves into thinking that what reality was wasn't really true. I'm sure most of you, if you can go back and look at your look at your past situation, you will absolutely see situations and scenarios where you're like, oh, ow, I knew what I was dealing with, but I ignored it. Or someone will have you'll have a conversation with someone and they'll say, Yeah, you know, five years ago you said this, this, and this. You know, and it's like, I did, you know, so you got to give your kids slack in, and it's hard because you feel tremendously hurt by them, hurt by the situation. I'm, if you're in the early processes or if, even if you've been dealing with this a while, I would imagine that that is probably a feeling that you have had. You just can't beat yourself up on that and you have to keep it in perspective it's how you it, it, you got to look at it not from the myopic vision of that you have but taking a step back looking at the entire situation and really looking at it and again like how are the kids when they're with you do they engage with you okay so they don't choose you but what you'll find is that if it's something really important and or serious and they know something needs to get done probably most of the time they're going to come to you you know, and then they'll, it, it, it's, you'll see that. And that again goes back to what I was talking about, those micro, tiny little improvements that you don't see sometimes. And I, and I struggled with this myself. There were multiple times where I would look at a situation or, or a scenario and because it wasn't happening the way I thought it should happen in my mind, I felt that it was a defeat or it wasn't a success. It wasn't a victory. It was yet again, another example 
of how messed up this is. And again, when, when you're in the early parts of this and you're at that, you know, 99.5% that this is all horrible, it's really hard to take a step back and look at, look at the scenario in that, in that, within, those, within that mindset. That's what I'm trying to say. So, and then that gets us to fundamentally, do you feel that the kids love you? Now, I understand, and we're going to get into this in a moment. I understand there are people who the alienation is so much that the, the kids are scared to death to demonstrate any type of affection or love towards you because it will be, you know, punished, for lack of a better word. And when you're in that scenario, it's really tough. You know, I would still urge you to, to look for just the little victories like, you know, okay, does that mask or that facade break down when they are with you and you do have some good moments? You have to recognize that and you foster that and you, you nurture water, however you want to say it. You, you gravitate and you find those little points where you're, you're making success and you build upon those. I think I had a really tough time with, with this point right here because I was looking at the bigger picture and the way I thought things should happen. I mean, I was like, no, the kids should recognize what's going on. Everybody should look at this toxic person and point and stare and say, you, you are the bad one. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest, it's going to break your heart if it does happen. The few times that that those words were communicated to me uh, by the kids, there was no joy in it. There was no victory in it. It was actually, it was just, it was kind of a sad, somber time, I guess. And then the really hard part is you'd have the, that awakening moment. And then two days later, it was like it never even happened. And it was like, wait, what, what? You know? And that's a tough one because then you have to make the decision whether you you gradually remind the kids of certain situations or not. Um, some ways you kind of need to just so that they, in my opinion, that, I mean, it'd be better if uh, the kids were in a professional environment and somebody who is trained in this can actually help them so it's not you. But... They also need to understand what's real and what's not a fantasy, right? Because if they, if you, if we don't break our kids that habit, then that means they get the glorious experience of becoming an adult, getting into a toxic relationship of their own, and then living in that fantasy land in denial with uh, the, uh, the cognitive dissidence of not knowing what reality is and being like, oh no, this is, this is perfectly normal. And this is what happened to me. It's like, you know, when everything started to shift, it's like, oh, everyone's spouse is a nightmare. You know, everyone has these problems. You know, it's on TV. I hear my friends talk about it. That's normal. So I'm just living normal. So if we can help our children break that cycle and understand that, uh, no, that's not normal, then we can help them. So, but on that, that's going to be a tough one. That one's going to be one of those ones where you're not going to really know 
until they become adults and they start making decisions. And then you look at it and go, they dodged a bullet on that one. Or, oh no, I see the exact same thing happening. Hopefully you don't have, hopefully you don't have to deal with that. I have not hit that point yet, but only my youngest is the only one who's in a serious relationship and they're not even 18 yet. It's what end of August, two months. So we shall see. Um, anyways, yeah. So, and then here's, here's the, the, the final thought on this is how at the end of the day, you know, they're going to be living their life. You're going to do the best you can. And when they become adults and they can make adult decisions, even though they probably aren't ready for it, it's their life. If hopefully, hopefully throughout this process, you've established a good solid relationship with them. I think I have with my kids and they've all gravitated towards their mom. You know, I mean, everyone's basically going to be living with her, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when everyone, you know, is finally 18, <clears throat> except for maybe my son, he's going off to UNLV, UNLV to finish his uh, uh, Bachelor of Arts in English, I think. So we'll see what happens with him. And, uh, you know, but at, the, but at the end of the day, I have a good relationship with all my kids. You know, they don't, you know, they're not like I hate you or they're like, I'm never talking to you again. You know, and there's some weird drama, but on some things, but fundamentally I have a strong relationship with them. I mean, I just spent what, three weeks. I think it was equivalent to three weeks because it was like the normal week. And then there would have been the transition time. And my youngest stayed with me for that while we got ready for this trip. And then we went on the trip and you know, now, I mean, they're with their mom now, but, uh, you know, I mean, we had this epic adventure that, uh, 3000 miles of road trip, you know, a bunch of national, you know, like I mentioned before. So, I mean, it's like that relationship's good. The relationship with all my kids are good. You know, nobody is, a, you know, not answering my texts or anything like that. You know, a few years ago, <laughs> a few years ago, that was a different story. They would go over to their moms and uh, I would text them and I would get nothing back. And then when they would come over, it would be bloop, 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 bloop. I'm like, who are you texting? Mommy. Bloop, bloop. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? But I get it. I mean, at the time I didn't. At the time it really hurt. Again, about, let me pull it back up, about perspective. You know, my perspective was, well, wait a minute. When they're with me, they're texting their mom constantly. And when they're with her, they're like, they've fallen off the planet. They won't answer a thing. Well, keep in mind that, you know, when you're in that scenario, I mean, I wasn't, I don't recall making a big issue. I mean, it hurt, you know, in perspective, it was kind of like, seriously, you know, I mean, early on when it wasn't even 50-50, it's like, come on guys. I mean, I haven't seen, you know, I'm seeing you 20% of the time. And of that 20% of the time, you're texting your mom 80% of it, you know? But going back through it, how were they with me? They were, they, they were engaged with me. We had a good time. We would communicate. Granted, sometimes I had to do it around them talking with their mom. But, I mean, it was like, you know, I, I, fortunately, I never got to the situation where the kids were like, we hate you. 
We don't want to be around you. The most I ever got was we want to live in one house. You know, it was a talking points from their mom. And I was like, nope, that ain't happening without a war is what I said. Anyways, bottom line, none of this is easy. None of this is fun. It's really hard. It's really draining. I mean, I can full disclosure to be perfectly honest, you know, rolling down the, let's see if I can pull up my countdown count timer so I can, cause I always forget how long the divorce and everything is. And you would think that somebody who does what I do would have it in there. Okay. The divorce has been, oh, it's in, wow. <laughs> God, I don't even, 11, 11 years this month separated almost 12, 11 years, 10 months, four weeks, two days, 57 minutes. Actually, I don't know what the minutes are. Anyways, so 11, 11 years. So see, I don't even remember these. I have to look it up. So this, the, this has been a really rough 11 years. And I am really glad for it to be over. And I am looking for a break. And I'm looking to not have to deal with, with, this, with this garbage anymore, you know? I mean, as the kids get more mobile and have vehicles and their own cars and, and start getting their own places, that'll help change the dynamic as well. I mean, granted, you know, two of them are going to be basically living with, with their mom for a period of time. I mean, it isn't going to be forever. I mean, I already talked to my youngest is like, they, I mean, actually everybody wants out as quickly as they possibly can. I think they know that I would like to move and there's a potential uh, I, the deal I made with my landlord at this place was, Hey, I'm on, I need to stay here until like this time frame. He's finally, I've had a conversation with him, said I can stay a little bit longer. So, <clears throat> but you know, whatever. I, and, and the pick me thing doesn't matter. You know, at one point it did early on, it did. It hurt whenever I was always not the one picked or always the one asked not to go do things. But fundamentally, looking at how are the kids with me? I know they love me. You know, I know that, that, uh, they care about me and, and all that kind of stuff. And I do know that some of you guys have that such scenario where that's not the case. You know, I'll, I'll pull Caleb into this. I mean, he's got a good relationship with his boys and he has zero relationship and hasn't even spoken to his daughter in years and it's tearing him apart. But, but here's the thing, you know, once you've done everything you can do, and if I'm going back to this, honestly, at the end of the day, they are living their life and you have to live yours. What I mean by that is you cannot, if, if you feel guilty or you like look at your situation, you're like, oh crap, I messed this up and I shouldn't have done it and, and I made a mistake, you know, you if that happens, the only thing you can really do in that scenario is try to make amends for it. And if they will are amenable to that, or you can have that conversation, that's great. Then you have something you can build on. And if not, you have to keep the door open to try to rectify that or, or hopefully have that change. But at the end of the day, if it's, if it's been destroyed there's nothing if there's if there's nothing else you can do about it allowing it to consume and destroy your life is not the right decision it's going to hurt 
I understand that, but you have to make your peace with it. You have to let it go. You know, however you do that, whether that's like with the hypnosis files or you therapy or EMDR or, or meditation or, or whatever technique works for you to try to, to overcome that, you have to do that. You do not have to destroy your life because of this situation. Well, that's, that's ending on a somber note. Anyways, I hope this discussion is helpful. I hope that you're early enough in this process that you can pivot and make changes that drive success, drive results. My perspective, especially from doing this for, what is it, six years now? Maybe, maybe rolling on seven. I'd have to look. What I've seen from the various people flowing through the channel and sending me notes is that once you pivot your perspective and you change how you are approaching this thing, it pays serious dividends and things start turning around. And it's hard when it doesn't feel like, like you can see that being a possibility, but I'll tell you time and time again, I get emails from people or I talk to people and that's the experience they've had. So hopefully that will be your case. If it's not, you still have to take your life back. So on that, hopefully this discussion was helpful. If you know somebody who could use this, share it with them because there's not a lot of people talking about this from this perspective. And a lot of times, I mean, even though other people might say the same things, Whenever they don't come from a position of experience in dealing with these scenarios, these freaking nightmares, it's hard to, to listen to that. So on that, thank you very much, and I will catch you on the next one.